Hey everyone, it's Alex here, and just quickly before the podcast begins, I wanted to jump on and just give a heads up that uh, we recorded this podcast about four or five days ago uh, before a couple massive extensions took place, and obviously this big Cognami offer sheet, which is still ongoing. Uh, Chase is currently on vacation, which is why we recorded uh, two episodes in a row last Wednesday, or Tuesday I believe, so almost a week ago from this coming out, and then I had a busy week slash weekend last week, so this episode never got out. Um, So I just want to give a heads up and mention that we will not be talking about uh, some of the bigger news pieces that have happened maybe over the past week uh, between this episode and next. But uh, once Chase is back after this coming week, we will be starting our season previews going division by division. Uh, So we'll no doubt be talking about extensions and stuff as we go through team by team there. So uh, as always, thank you everyone for the support. Thank you for listening. And I hope you all enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger. With me is my co-host Chase McCallum. And uh, this week we are continuing our top 20 list. We got the defensemen to go through uh, and we will get to that in just a second. There's a couple pieces of news we got to get to. Uh, first, let's uh, you know, start with the negative, um, you know, the, the sassing. But uh, that's the fact that uh, former NHL player Jimmy Hayes passed away on the weekend. Um it was 31. Uh, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen the cause or anything like that. It was unexpected and um, uh, just sad, really. Like there's, there's not, uh, not many words you can put in, you know, not many things you can say about this other than it's a tragedy. Yeah. It's horrible to say there's not too much, you, you know, best wishes with his family and stuff. It sucks to hear. Yeah, exactly. Condolences to his friends and family and loved ones. So, um, you know, we just thought it was important to touch on that, but uh, yeah, we'll get on to the podcast. And uh, there's two other, there's two signings before we get into the defense uh, contract. Chase and I are doing a back-to-back for podcasts here. So we're doing defense today. That'll come out uh, this week. And then we're also going to record the goalies after we're done, uh, but that will come out next week. So the goalies will just be a list, probably a bit shorter of an episode too. Um, but uh, yeah, Chase is on vacation next week, so he will not be around. Uh, we figured it was perfect to get a list down anyways, but uh, two quick pieces of news and they're both defensemen. It fits in with the theme today. Uh, the first one, Nikita Zadorov signed on, I think it was Friday for one, uh, one year, 3.75 million dollars with the Flames. The Flames traded for his rights uh, from Chicago at the during this offseason. Um, that's a lot of money for a guy who I, I don't think is very good. Yeah, that's a tough one. Good for the player. Very really good for good the player, player. But like, yeah, like it's just I don't. I don't know. Like, I think Zadorov had an okay year last year, but I don't really see what he brings that you need to be paying him over $3 million. Like, he's a he's a third-pair defenseman. He's the kind of guy who's just never brought it either. Yeah, like, it, it's not like he had a peak at one point and people are clinging on to that. He's just always been, like, a fine to bad third-pair defenseman, you know? Yeah, 100%. Like, I... I uh, may God, maybe he must, he must be just an awesome person. Yeah. I don't know. Like he had good defensive results last year, but he can't do anything offensively. He kind of reminds me of like, like a Cody CC. Like publicly, there's just nothing there that suggests this should happen. But for some reason, teams keep talking themselves into this guy. 
Yeah, like at 1.75 mil, I think I would be more okay with this kind of thing. But yeah, what over three? I I'd almost four basically. I, I really don't get it. Exactly. Like the, the exact kind of stuff you'd say about a Cody CC contract, right? Like if you get him for a million bucks and put him on your third pair, sure, but giving him money or term is just disgusting. Yeah, it it really is. Uh, there's no way around that. Um, and then the other deal that happened was a two-year deal. Travis Samheim signed, re-signs with the Philadelphia Flyers, who have had a busy, busy offseason. Uh, he signs for a um, uh, AAV of $4.675 million, so 9.3 total. Um, better value, for sure. Uh, and, you know, I think the difference with uh, Sandheim and Zadorov is Sandheim has shown something. Um, still a lot of money, I, I, I thought, just in terms of AAV, but Sandheim's 25, kind of right in his peak, and I, I would call him a, a pretty solid defenseman overall. Yeah, he's a good enough play driver. This is a pretty reasonable contract to me. This kind of feels like the thing that both the player and the team can be happy about. He, if uh, his on-ice shooting percentage comes around in a year or two, the player could cash out. Uh, it's pretty clear Philly thinks they have a window right now, and I think this makes sense. Yeah, I mean, keep the term short, and then you can figure out what, the, what to do with it down the road. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's too bad of a contract either. This is definitely the, be- the better of the two that we saw this weekend. So, um, yeah, over, overall, I think that's a not bad piece of work. Yeah, yeah that worked well for them. All right, let's get right into the um, the list then, uh, shall we? Let's, as always, we'll start with some honorable mentions because I, as always, have about seven extra names down here that I uh, – couldn't get on. Uh, I'll start with, I have even tears in my honorable mention and guys are ones that I thought might be near the top 20 and just looking at their statistics over the past couple of years, for whatever reason, I just really couldn't justify it. And that's uh, guys like Morgan Riley, uh, Klingberg, Heiskin and Shabbat. I think they're all still near that 20 range, but I did not have any of them in my top 20. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I had Shabbat like right there at 20. I had, uh, did I say Shabbat at 20? Yes. Yeah. Shabbat at 20. It's Riley's kind of tough. He, I think he had a pretty good year last year too. I could see him being uh, towards the end of this list, but I could also see him being, you know, slightly off or whatever. Yeah. Like I have him as like that number one defenseman, but like closer to 30 maybe than 15 or whatever. I do have a Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman on this list. So we will get to one. Uh, as, as we go here, but, um, yeah. And then same with Shabbat. I mean, I was, I, I used uh, goals above replacement pretty heavily for mine too. Cause I, I find evaluating the defense is so damn hard and goals above replacement does not look kindly on Shabbat, um, to the point where I think it does quite underrate him. So I would have him very close to 20 item in that 21 to 24 range, uh, kind of thing. And then, uh, three other names I had were, uh, Brodeen, Wierenski and Pellick. Um, all very good defensemen, I think, have all had very good years at different times, uh, especially, you know, Wierenski this past year really, really showed uh, showed out, but just on the edge. Like, I, I had Wierenski 21, Brodine 22, Shabbat 23, and Pellick 24. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm still kind of fiddling here. So I had, I had Wierenski 19, Shabbat 20, I think, something like yep. that. Shabbat gets punished by Gar because it's just the gross lack of shooting talent on the Sens. But I think if you plunge, like he's clearly an elite offensive play driver, at least. So I think if you plunked him on a better team, he'd rise up a lot of people's lists. Yeah, absolutely. And he's one of those players, too, where if he could ever figure out how to just be like decent in his own end, I think he would already rise up a bunch of lists to like at least 15, you know, in that kind of that obvious top 15 tier where it's like 
yeah, these guys are legit, legit number one that can just kind of do it all over the ice. A hundred percent. Um. All right. Uh, who did you have some as some honorable mentions? Then, if I got your nineteen and twenty out of the way, uh, we can talk about Wierenski real quick if you want to. Really good player, obviously. When people think great uh, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets defenders of the past three years, he's probably not the first name that comes up to mind. But uh, I think it probably in both of our minds, he's the better of the two um, that were there. And you know, this year again, especially he had a really good year. Just missed my list again because um, you know I, I think maybe part of that is on the team that it, because of the team that he played on, but. Um, yeah, he's a very, very solid defenseman who is all over the ice and, you know, doesn't have any like obvious weakness in my opinion. No, he does everything well. Um, he's maybe not quite as good as I expected him to be given how young he broke in the league and and everything, but he's still absolutely fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you have any honorable mentions you want to touch on? Um, a guy who I could see, this was a guy who really struggled with because a lot of his value is shooting. And I don't know if it's obviously valuable, like a good shooter is preferable to a bad shooter, all else being equal. But Chikrin was a guy I really struggled with. I, I have him on my list and relatively high, to be honest, for um, not, not like stupid high, but high enough where I, I won't touch on him right now because I'll, I'll, I'll go into why I have him much higher when we get to him. But yeah, that's pretty reasonable. He's a he's a weird one because he is such a good shooter. He's not like an amazing play driver, so I kept him off. I kind of can. I had him on the first version of my list, but I ended up without him. Yep, and I think that's fair. Another um, guy I left off who I didn't expect to was Slavin. Oh, see, I have Slavin still high enough on mine. I I think he's still. I don't know. I I do think he gets a touch overrated at times, but. Um, you know, especially when it comes to like goals above replacement, he's still been very, very strong over the past couple of years. Yeah, his like overall uh, war still looks good. It's the one thing with Slavin is the regression models, or at least RIPM anyways, is starting to punish him a little bit relative to earlier in his career. And I think a big reason why is that when Dougie Hamilton plays without Slavin, Dougie Hamilton still gets Dougie Hamilton results and Slavin fails to get the same results. So I don't know if that's just because if that's just a context, like he plays with dog shit partners when he's not with Hamilton or some, or if maybe there's some there, there, I don't a hundred percent. know. I don't. Yeah. But, enough to know yeah. That. I'm just saying, I think that's fair. I'm trying to think of who his partner would have even been this year. Um, Cause you know, that hurricanes defense core is really, especially without Hamilton, like, and we'll probably get into this more as we talk about, well, I'm, Hamilton will be on both of our lists. I can almost guarantee that. Um, but, you know, even as we get into their, you know, season previews and stuff, but like, I think the loss of Hamilton is going to be more than even like the stats community is expecting it to be. Yeah. It's one of those things where his loss might even be more than just like his uh, expected war output or whatever, because of the trickle down effect it's going to have on everyone else. Even though like they have other good players, but like the lack of like a true, true number one, like Dougie Hamilton is, I think it's going to hurt a lot. Yeah, I, I uh, definitely agree with that. And yeah, it just, he, he did, he covered up so many holes on that blue line. Then as you said, like, I, I think people underrate or said Slavin was so underrated to where like people had him like near the top five for defensemen. I think that's pretty aggressive anyways. Yeah, I saw him. I was Googling around for lists. I was just in the dentist office. I was like, fuck, I'm away from a computer. How do I start putting this list together? So I was just Googling lists on my phone and one had him like six. I think it was like an executive poll and stuff. It was like, 
that feels pretty aggressive to me. Yeah, I think that is that is very high. That's much higher than I have them. Um, all right. Uh, do you have any anyone else, or do you want to get started with the list here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, my uh, so you already we had a year twenty and nineteen as Shabbat and Wierenski. Uh My twenty is a guy who definitely peaked this year, but I think was uh, you know underrated for a couple of years before, and uh, was definitely solid uh, and didn't get maybe the credit he deserved until this year, and that's Jeff Petrie. Yeah, Petrie's a guy. I I did twenty five. I had uh, I realized I actually had uh, John Carlson twice, so I'm going to put Chikrin in that twenty spot. By the way, but, okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Petrie's like one of the guys I had like right on the outside. Him and Riley were like the next two guys in for me. Yep, and I think if, you know, heading into this year, he would have probably not been quote close. Like we, I think last year we left him off, but I, th- I want to say he was my honorable mention or a honorable mention for me last year. Um, and I kind of said he needs to have like a real big season, and that's kind of what he did this year. You know, for the, the first half of the season, he was getting – um, you know, even some Norris in that Norris discussion, and then obviously cooled off by the end. But, um, you know, he still had just an amazing season. And over the past couple of years for defensemen, like he's ranked 14th. And uh, over the past two years, he's ranked 14th and expected uh, goals above replacement and pretty high, I think, in actual goals above replacement as well over the past two or three years. So, um, yeah, it's been quite something to see. He's had a, honestly just a great run here where it's like he's stepped up from above what I thought I was expecting even to be honest. A hundred percent. I bet you he gets a ton of love next year too with Weber out because people are really going to see how good he is. Especially if that team stays afloat in a, in a tough division, right? Like, yeah, it, he almost like has to be ridiculously good just for that team to stay afloat. Yeah, absolutely. He's got to take on that legit number one role where he's, and sorry, I, I haven't lied. He was even higher. He had, the 14th highest season, but if you combine the two past two seasons, he's fifth in expected goals above replacement for a defenseman. So, um, and yeah, you know, like this isn't a perfect stat either. I find especially expected goals above replacement really punishes guys who are good defensively because it's hard to generate expected defense. I think, I mean, we just don't really have the data to be able to do that efficiently, but yeah, it's kind of tough to, cause like, obviously our regression models are relatively good, but it's still very clear that we're better at uh, measuring offense than defense. Oh, one more honorable mention I had before we get into this, just because I'm about to get into his teammate, but uh, I have Mackenzie Weger as an honorable mention because I really wasn't sure what to make of this season that he had this past year. Yeah. I had him like 17 or whatever. Okay. So we'll, we'll get into it in a second then. That's fine. Uh, I have his teammate, Aaron Ekblad at 19 here. Um, Again, Ekblad is someone, he's had a weird career arc, right? Like, he looked really good in his first year when he was playing with, I think it was a Brian Campbell, uh, who, you know, it turns out I think Brian Campbell was just very, very, very good. Uh, And then, obviously, he retired, and Ekblad uh, had some concussion issues. And then then it got to the point where, um, you know, he was probably pretty overrated for a while, and now he's back into that camp of either just properly rated or maybe even slightly, slightly underrated. Yeah, he's... Some, something like that would make sense. It's funny because he had time to become like a great rookie, a bust and good again. And he's like 25. Yeah, exactly. He's still got like, like it wouldn't shock anyone. I don't think if he played another seven or eight years or whatever in this league. Right. And um, it's a shame he got hurt this past year because he was really on just, you know, he was another guy who was just kind of on like a Norris tear to at least get votes. And then, yeah, when he went down, his, his teammate Mackenzie Weger stepped up and we'll get to that in a second as well. But um, yeah, I think Ekblad has shown significant growth over the past couple of years and comfortable enough where I, I, I do think he is a solid number one now. 
Yeah, that's more than fair. I left him off. His play driving numbers weren't great uh, this past year. All the point totals and stuff were there. He's one where you could very easily have him on the list, especially like if we if we do this at the end of next year. He's the guy you could see shooting up because he was so good in that 1920, and he was hurt last year. So maybe I'm being unfair by punishing him for last year. So maybe a healthy year, he's like 14 when we're doing this list next year. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Uh, at 18, I had a guy where this is a tough one because I think you could put him down or, you know, like his stats are all very, very strong, but he also plays with by far the best team and he is not even – I have him third on his own defense pair or on his own de- pair uh, de- defense core. And that's Samuel Gerard. Yeah. He's another tough one. I left him off as well, but I think it's pretty reasonable. He's clearly a fantastic player. Yeah. I mean, like uh, among defensemen over the past uh, two years, he's ranked 20th in expected goals above replacement, 23rd in uh, actual goals above replacement. And over the past three years, he's ranked, uh, 20th in goals above replacement. So that's why I think I had him just on the list there where, um, you know, it's not like his stats just went up when, you know, Colorado finally got good. It's he's been good with Colorado for three years and a part of it. And again, like Colorado's got so many good players that we talk about all the time where it's like, are, is the team good or are they good? Cause the team's good. Is the team good because they're good. And I think it's, just, you know, it's a, a little bit of both in most scenarios. Yeah. hundred percent. I, he's one where, Again, you can't punish a guy because he plays on a good team, but I just have a feeling if you flipped him with like Thomas Shabbat or whatever, like Shabbat would absolutely freaking massacre in that kind of a role. And a guy like him would struggle a lot more. Yeah, I I do agree. I I think that, um, you know, Shabbat would feast on on, uh, being able to play um, not like if he's playing second pair minutes in terms of just feasting on lower competition offensively. Um, but you know, I, Gerard is required to play, um, you know, or required to be strong defensively as well. And I, I don't know if Shabbat necessarily would excel in that role either. So no, that part would be tough for him, but like Gerard's used and he is good defensively, but Gerard's used in such a way where he doesn't have to be right. Whereas like, there's a lot of weight on guys like Shabbat and Chikrin and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Like Shabbat has to do it basically. I mean, and Shabbat plays with just dog shit partners all the time. Like Oduya, Hainsey, and uh, Zaitsev have been his three most used partners over the past three or four years. So Exactly. And like when Shabbat makes a beautiful breakout pass, like that's probably not turning into an assist for him because it's, you know, Dadnov or whatever taking the shot. Whereas when uh, Gerard does it, it's like, oh yeah, that's Nathan McKinnon who gets to go cross crease to uh, Landis Cog or something. For sure. I, I can't believe you're, it'd be you talking me into Shabbat being way higher on a list, to be honest. I know. That's kind of a weird one. <laughs> I, I'm really high on Shabbat. I love the style of player like Shabbat. He, yeah. I, I say, with without talking about a guy who we've, you know, I, I lift just barely off. I had like a 23 or whatever, and you had 20. He, he does just play a beautiful, like just watching him offensively is just amazing. And in transition, it's just so beautiful to watch. Yeah, because it'd be nice if he had the defensive results, but just the way he transitions the puck and moves the puck, like he is just, I don't want to say like the ideal defenseman, because obviously you got like prime era Carlson, but like a realistic, like ideal defenseman, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right, who did you have at 18? 
At 18, I have Zach Wierenski. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, that makes sense. Right. Because there's Wierenski, Shabbat, and then uh, you put uh, Chitron at, at 20, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Um, all right. 17. This is where I had Morgan Riley's uh, teammate. I have uh, Jake Muzzin here. Higher than I thought I was going to be on Jake Muzzin, but my God, he uh, he does a lot for that team. I, I don't think it goes recognized enough at sometimes. Yeah, I was digging into this list, and I had a feeling that Muzzin was going to be uh, the highest of the Leafs defensemen. I started with Muzzin in like the 16 range, and when I, I have Muzzin a decent chunk higher on this list. He is really good, and even I, who watch a lot of Leafs games, didn't quite appreciate how good he was until we started doing this exercise. Yeah, it's gotten to the point where the Leafs decor is absolutely underrated. Like, you know, people didn't watch the Leafs last year when they say, well, they still need to move out some of that money up front to help their decor. It's like, no, no, they don't. Like, they have three guys who could argue are number one defenseman. I think TG Brody's closer to a two than anything. I didn't really consider him for this list. But no. um, they have, we both had Morgan Riley in that, like, 20 to 30 range. And Jake Muzzin is a clear top 20 guy, you know, like, um, and we can get him to more too when we get to you, but yeah, like I had him at, um, um, 17 because, you know, his best, not his best season, but, um, you know, one of his highest ranks for when I was looking was his three-year goals above replacement. And some of that still came with LA, but yeah, he's still like, he ranked 10th among defenders for a two, two-year running goals above replacement, 19th for expected goals above replacement. And uh, I think one thing that goes underrated in Toronto is, um, you know, he's not always playing, like, if I'm not mistaken, he was playing with Justin Hall for a decent amount of last year's minutes, right? Yeah. Based yeah. And, and like, that's the, like, that was uh, his yeah and so like that's clearly like the first best defenseman and the fourth best man it's not like justin hall's a bum or anything like that but he's not a top 90 defenseman or whatever right like no like playing like hall's good for a two million dollar player but playing tough comp with justin hall is not an easy thing to do and doing it very very well too right like yeah muzzin so. it, the other thing with muzzin is all of his uh value oh he's good he's good on a pk or whatever too but most of his value is uh, purely five on five. And I don't think he'd be great on the power play. The Leafs don't use him there. I don't think they should. I'd rather them even play like Sandine or whatever, if Riley wasn't doing it, which that if you're going to argue for, because I think five on five, I have a nine. I'll say it now because I value just the five on five play driving so much. But if you're going to have him down the list, I could see a lack of power play production really holding him back relative to a lot of guys who are higher. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, who do you have at 17? Oh, that was Uyghur. Uyghur, okay. Stuff. I felt kind of disgusting putting him there, but, like, his results have been really good. Yeah, like, he is one where it's just, like, like it's insane that the, the switch he flipped when, when Ekblad went down. He's like, okay, no, I'm just going to be the best defenseman in the league now. Like, Yeah, and he has, like, peak Brodeen, like, levels of defensive metrics, which I did not realize. Yeah, it, it's literally watch. crazy. And, you know, again, like I didn't really even have him ranked because I forgot to do it when I would buy. I just had him as an honorable mention because um, yep. I was like, I just this year was just so much better than what we've seen in anything. I don't, like he was a good defenseman before, but he was like a number three probably coming into the year. Is yeah. that fair to say? And he went to like literally like this past year's results were like top three. in the. I think you could have argued. Like if someone wanted to say he deserved the Norris trophy, I probably wouldn't have even been that against it, you know? 
Yeah, the trophy would be tough, but like he deserved Norris folks this year. Yeah, so um, that's why I just left him off. If he does anything like that next year, I will absolutely have him in like probably close to like top 10 area if he if he could somehow repeat, um, you know, or even come close to what he did this year. It's just that's how insane of a year it was. Yeah, and it's tough also because so much of that value is defensive. And again, I'm significantly less confident in our defensive metrics that we use publicly. But like he still jumps off the page so much that there's clearly at least something going on there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely agree. Um, all right, I had 15. Um, actually, sorry, was that your 15 or 17 or 16? 17. Okay. Um, oh, sorry, I haven't given my 16 here yet. Uh, all right, do you want to go? I'll let you go for 16 here. Okay. So I had a guy who I always struggle with but he's still clearly very good. John Carlson. Yes. Do we have the same we, one? We have our first match of the list. Hell yeah. Uh, yep. I also have John Carlson here. Um, again, you, he was a guy where when I was looking at the stats, I was actually surprised at how high things like goals above replacement are on him. And I guess it shouldn't be because they, they do value um, offensive production quite a bit as well. Um, but yeah, like he's clearly still a guy who can't really play in his own end, but clearly still a guy who is very good offensively. So it almost doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, exactly. Cause he's clearly, yeah, he's clearly never going to be a good defensive player at this point in his career if he's not, but like he's good enough offensively to make up for it. And then it's tough to give him a ton of credit because he's, I don't even think he would consider himself the most important player on that power play, but he's clearly ridiculously good on the power play even though there's more talent there than just him yeah for sure it's one of it's definitely like a colorado like just what i said there it's like is the power play good because he's on it or is he good because he's on the power play and it's a bit of both right where it's like um you know obviously ovechkin being on that power play is always going to make it more deadly but the reason it is so deadly is that because people can't just cover Ovechkin because John Carlson and Nicholas Backstrom are, and even TJ Oshie are so good on it that, you know, you have to respect their talent as well. A hundred percent. Cause especially now that Weber looks like Weber's career is on, like John Carlson's probably the best shooter among defensemen in the NHL. Yeah. I would say he's got to be top two or three anyways. Him or Chikrin probably. Yeah. Now, like without, uh, what's his name? Without Weber. Yeah. And then even just like, Carlson's taking a big step back where Carlson used to be able to at least like find holes with a wrist shot, but yeah. Yeah. I'd like guys like I'm trying to think of who else Hamilton. I don't know if he actually has a good shot or if he just shoots a ton to be perfectly honest. Trying yeah. to think. Carlson's like, got to be pretty high on that list. Yep. Exactly. I totally agree. Um, that's awesome. I, when, you, when you said you were struggling to rank, I was like, I think we're going to match here. So there's our first match of, of, of the list. Um, 15. This is where I had sla- uh, Slavin. Um, Again, lower than I think some people or, you know, other lists may have had him. Uh, I think the play driving thing is a legit concern. That being said, over the past two years, he still ranks seventh among all defensemen in uh, goals above replacement. And uh, I think over the past three seasons, and even I don't think he had a particularly amazing season three seasons ago. And uh, he still ranks 17th. So, um, yeah, he doesn't produce a ton offensively, but he's just – relatively solid defensively. And I think that is a little hard to measure too, which is why opinions can vary so much on him and why, you know, 
when he started getting that uh, underrated title, people can't really like focus on that with your, like with an eye test. Right. So you just kind of assume that it's true. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, yeah, he's a weird one. Cause like he does so many things so well, but yeah, it's tough to know. It's nice that we get a natural experiment with him. Cause usually when a guy like him has that him versus Dougie thing, it's just like, Oh, well, we never get to know who carried the pairing, but it's going to be pretty obvious, pretty quick. Who did the, who carried who, or if any of that happened, because if um, Slavin's results away from Hamilton were actually bad because he's fallen off like that, he's going to get exposed immediately this year. Yeah. And um, you know, even Hamilton, I think has the chance to show how good he can really be. If he really propels that New Jersey devil's defense core, you know, a long ways. A hundred percent. Cause like, I think Hamilton's a legit number one defenseman. I'm sure we're both going to have him in the top 10. Yep. But we'll be really cool to, cause he's the man now. And like, there's no hiding anymore on that New Jersey devil's defense core. Exactly. Um, okay. Who do you have at 15? At 15, I have Matias Eckholm. Okay. Yeah. That's one. I, I didn't have him on my list. He's, he's one that I think um, this is kind of like the last area where I think, from 15 on, you can really have anyone from like that 15 to 27 ish range, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the same tier or whatever, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you go ahead with why you had Echo. I'll, t- I'll say why I left him off uh, after. Yeah. That's fair enough. I, I like Echo. His defensive results aren't actually nearly as good as I expected because that was kind of his thing, if I remember like peak Echo correctly, but he's still just kind of quietly chugging along in Nashville, putting up. Um, great play driving results, especially offensively. His power play results are disgusting, but Nashville's horrible on the power play. So I don't know if that's necessarily his fault. I doubt he deserves much power play ice time anyways, but five on five, he's just clearly still very good hockey player. Yep. It's funny looking at his career arc. It's completely flipped where, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Uh, 2016, 17, 27, 18, he was just like one of the best defensive defensemen in the league. Um, and didn't do like a ton offensively. It's not like he was horrible offensively. And then the past, like, and even in 2018-19, he was very good. And then 2019-20 and uh, 2020 2021, it's completely flipped where he's been, the the reason his play driving has looked so good is because he's been doing it offensively now, at least for like Corsi 4 and expected goals for per 60. But his defensive, they're not atrocious or anything. They're just kind of average. Yeah, average-ish. And especially if he could have one more year where he keeps the offense and has the defense at the same time, he can be super high, but he's yet to do both at the same time. So I'm skeptical that would happen at this point, but it'd be cool to see. Yep. For sure. Um, 14. This is where I have my second Colorado avalanche defender coming in Devon Taves. Uh, I want him a little higher, but again, it's one of those things where he got really, he was, he was very good in, in uh, long Island. Like he was a clear, number one but it was kind of again in that probably last year i think i would have him definitely last year like i don't think i had my top 20 last year he was just probably right on the edge and then had an amazing season this year when he gets much better teammates to go around and uh, again that's not his fault or anything he's a very good defenseman but i i don't know if i you know with with just how much how good he went with uh his teammates here i i don't know if i could have him in my top 10 so that's why he comes at 14 for me yeah, that's pretty fair. I actually have, like, I have a distinct top tier of players. I have him as the guy leading off outside that tier. Like, I have him eight. 
Um, I didn't expect to be that high on him, but his results are really good. I don't know how he would look again if you Thomas Shabbatted him, although his results on Long Island were still quite good too, especially defensively, and he kept those going to Colorado, which was huge. Yeah, I, I would say the one drawback for him, like at least defensively on Long Island, is that it was a defensive team, right? Like, yeah, like th- that's my only like concern that's with him of why I have him a couple spots lower. Yeah, hundred percent, and like that's why I was really happy to see that he put up the good results in Colorado because it doesn't exactly take much to put up good defensive results in Long Island. Now, of course, it's tough because he went from like the best defensive team of the past five years to like the best team of the past five years. But it's not like he got more difficult context or whatever. I would love to see him as a number one. I have no idea how it would go, but all the, all the results so far, like all the war models and every regression models really high on him. So I have. Yeah, amazing. exactly. And I think, you know, even just like when you're looking at it, like no team's going to complain about having, you know, spoiler, I have Makar very, very high on this list. Uh, yeah. The 14th and the 18th best defenseman in the league. Like that's three legitimate number ones that we're stating that they have, um, you know? So, yeah, I think, you know, um, I, I would say from that um, nine to 10 to, yeah, like 14-ish range here, I, I think you could really swap a bunch of the guys in and out. So if you want to put them a couple spots higher, I, I definitely wouldn't be complaining. Yeah, exactly. I have like my top seven are the guys that I like are distinct. Like obviously the top 32 players are number one defensemen, quote unquote. But like, you know, when people say the word number one defenseman, they really mean like Norris candidate. And I have like the top seven and then Taze is like the next tier with a whole bunch of these guys that are number one defensemen, but aren't like, you know, going to be near betting favorites for the Norris trophy if that comes out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, All right. fourteen. Um, I had another guy that I kind of thought I'd be higher on because I love the way he plays hockey as a defenseman. He plays the way I do in like Chell, which is a gift and a curse. Uh, Roman Yossi. I have him just a couple spots higher. I have him at 11. But uh, yeah, definitely same tier here. Yeah, and because he's still got the defensive awards, uh, he always will. He's basically a left winger, not a left defenseman, but I really do love his style. Yeah, and he's so good offensively that it like still doesn't matter how bad he is defensively. Yeah, exactly. He is very clearly one of the best offensive defensemen in the entire league. Of the like old guard of players left, he might be the best offensively. Uh, from like because back in the day when it would be like the Yossi and Carlsons and stuff, he's yeah, the best and last standing there. He's still so good on the power play, despite Nashville really not having that much talent on the power play over the past year or two. Yeah, he's like the one bright spot there. And it's only going to get worse probably now without Arvidsson, too. Yeah, and, like, I I can't imagine Forsberg staying around for too, too long either, right? Like, no, like there's, there's not no way because NHL teams are weird, but, like, Forsberg shouldn't be finishing the season in Nashville this year. No, I don't think so. I think that would be a, a big mistake just in terms of where the rebuild's going. Yeah, like timeline-wise, it would make no sense, but crazier yeah. things have happened. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I do see at 11 just because I definitely think uh, um, it's tough to try and balance that. You know, obviously that he is 
just doesn't really play defense. Um, you know, granted, like his 2020 and 20 or 2021 season there, um, and even in 2020 was, you know, it's not like um, by our APM standards, at least, he wasn't like incredibly negative in terms of expected goals against or Corsi against per 60. He wasn't positive at all, but he was just kind of like, where Matthias Eckholm's uh, ratings were basically at like zero for a Z score. But um, you know, he, he just, he moves the puck and skates with it so well that it's just, yeah, he's a, a dynamic player to watch. And it's just a ton of fun getting to watch him play hockey. He is very few defensemen are that enjoyable to watch even over like multiple eras. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Who do you have at 13? Uh, 13, I had Yossi. I thought it was 14 for you. Yeah, I said that wrong. Uh, 13, I have Yossi, actually. 14, I had Giordano. Okay. Um, oh, man. You should have switched those around. I have 13, I have Giordano. Ah, same tier. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, I would say, again, right there. I, again, I was uh, – I don't know if I was expecting to be this high on Giordano. I, I knew, you know, obviously, two years ago, he was, I think, probably around our, both of our top tens. Um, and then, you know, for some reason, I thought he had more of a down year this year, but uh, it was more just the Flames that had a down year, I think. And uh, it, it's always so tough to tell um, because of age, obviously, with how old Giordano is that, you know, when it, when his stats decrease a little, is it him decreasing or is it the team? But, um, you know, I, I still feel pretty confident to say it was probably the team and not him, you know, and even if it was both of them, he was still a very solid defenseman this past year. A hundred percent. Given how d- disappointing the Flames were, like, if I just showed you, like, Johnny Gaudreau and Giordano's, like, RAPM charts, they're probably their two most important players, you would never believe how bad they were this year. Yeah. Like, it's... Like, for them to be as mediocre as they were, you'd think they, they would have had bad years, right? Yeah, I mean, that seems fair enough. Yeah, but they, they really... Didn't and Giordano especially. He reminds me of Bergeron for defenseman. Just like still quietly chugging along. Clearly lost a step from when he was like second best in the world as position or whatever at one time, but still fantastic. Yeah, well, he had that year in 2018-19 out of nowhere where he arguably should have won the Norris, where it's like yeah. his goals for and expected goals for per 60 on the power play were above three standard deviations for our APM. So was his score four per 60 and his goals four per 60 was basically three standard deviations, right? Like it was just, everything was blue and dark blue at that too. It was crazy. And then, yeah, obviously he's taken a step back from that, but he's still been a very, very solid defenseman playing tough minutes with weakening uh, um, teammates. I, I would argue in Calgary, like I don't think that Calgary team has gotten better over the past couple of years. No, definitely not. They're kind of going out with a whimper, it looks like. It's kind of like yeah. a sad place to be. Yeah, well, and, and you know, obviously, like, um, this year he will be playing with Seattle, uh, which I need to wrap my head around because I keep forgetting. But um, – Yeah, that is going to be weird as hell, eh? Yeah, like, I, I again, we'll, we'll leave Calgary talk for later. But, yeah, I, I think they're going to be in some big trouble. But I, I am very curious to see how Mark Giordano fits in the Seattle – uh, mold because you know um, obviously they have a bunch of guys who just don't give up oh there's my cat uh, just don't give up much defensively and um, you know Giordano might be able to fit in really well and even extend his career another year or two if he if he really wants to keep playing like that yeah 100% um, okay nice love guys play when they're super old yeah absolutely um, 
All right. I am just trying to see. Uh, I think you are on 12 and I am on 12 as well. I'll let you go first here. I have uh, Adam Pellick. Uh Okay. Yep. So I, I had him as a honorable mention. I was almost going to cheat and put the pairing together, but I was like, ah, I'm not going to do that. I think everything that, you know, I saw from the stats kind of had Pellick a little worse than uh, his partner, obviously, who I'm assuming we will both be getting to. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Why, why did you have Pellick up in uh, uh, the, what is this, 12th spot? Forgot his partner somehow. Um, <laughs> I it's weird. I really dislike this style of player. It's just like super boring. Like if the Islanders were a defense pairing, they would be this defense pairing. But yeah, they just kind of kill it at five on five together. And Adam Pellick is a seems like a fantastic defensive defenseman, one of the best in the entire league. Yep, I think that's fair. You know, I, I left them just off my list because um, again, like that, I, it's so hard to separate them. I, I think if you know you want to call him a top twenty defenseman, he absolutely could. I, I think I said I had him at twenty. Two or twenty-four. Um, yeah. So, like, I, I definitely uh, don't disagree. Where it's like that pairing is just one of the top in the league, and how do you separate them? I don't know. So, I, I try my best, and um, you know, I'll, I'll get into his partner in a little bit here. That uh, you forgot because uh, I have him relatively high. You know, I'll get him to a couple spots, but um, yeah, at my number twelve. Uh, this is where I had Chitrin. So, um, I, I went pretty high into his shoot, shooting ability, and a lot more. Not even just that, but how well he's been um, producing despite playing on the Arizona fucking coyotes. Like, man, that yeah. team is just dog shit, you know? And like the, the fact that, and, and that's why it's like, I don't really buy this whole OEL argument of he needs to go somewhere else because Chitron has been taking bigger, harder minutes than OEL and has been succeeding at them way, way more. Yeah, exactly. He, he plays the tough competition there, which I think no, like no one assumes, but it's true. Yeah. And like, he does like, I, I don't think like, he's not like absolutely destroying it, but he's keeping his head above water. And considering he really does not have a lot of help in terms of defensive partners or much on offense, it's very impressive to me. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause he's, he's the man there. Right. Him yeah. and uh, he reminds me of in that sense where it's like mm -hmm. I would I have a guy like Taze higher than him, but I would really love to see what Taze does in his shoes. Yep, yeah, I, I totally agree with that where I think it's yeah, I do hope that the Coyotes can finally, you know, obviously they're going to start rebuilding here again. I love what they've done the past couple of years. So I hope they can turn this around in two or three years and and we can still see a Chitron hopefully in his prime and, and uh, you know, really get to see what, um, you know, he's capable of. Yeah, see him with some competent players. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so uh, my number 11 then was Yossi. Uh, who do you have at 11? At 11, I have uh, Jared Spurgeon. Okay, yeah, I have him a little higher up this list. I have him at seven, um, which is like kind of the start of that top tier or second tier for me. Um, yeah. But, yep, uh, go for it. Yeah, I really love Jared Spurgeon. He's like my favorite defenseman in Shell or whatever. His style, uh, small dude, skates super well. I was slightly lower on him. He didn't have an amazing 2021, but his priors are absolutely freaking insane. So I could see being higher on him. I have him in a tier with a bunch of dudes here that are like the next group just behind the like slam dunk Norris guys. 
Yep. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely fair with the 2020, 2021. And, um, you know, I think that's uh, goals above replacement thing still shows that because, you know, it was a shortened season as well. Right. So, um, you know, when, when you're looking at it, uh, the reason I am so high over the past two years is expected goals above replacement for defensemen second uh, over the past two years, even with a down season this year, his uh, goals above replacement 14th. And over the past three years, he's been sixth among all defensemen. The, and when, and when I say sixth, like the five guys ahead of them are, or, you know, I think three or four of the five guys ahead of them are like probably guys we're both going to have in our top five that are like, should probably be just like perennial Norris favorites over the next couple of years. Um, so like, I, I don't know, I, I really love Spurgeon and, you know, I, I think maybe a drawback where, you know, you could have him closer to 11th or even like 15th is maybe you could argue that the, the Minnesota, uh, um, wild system kind of over not overrates him but helps him out a lot just in terms of how they play defensively but um you know I, I think he's a big part of that and that's why they look so good and their underlying numbers yeah 100 percent. another thing uh he has fantastic like the regression models love his power play results and i pretty heavily discount power play results for defensemen generally yeah i, I think that's fair like unless it's like a john carlson type where it's clear that he's like the second option on that power play. Yeah, exactly. Cause it, I, it seems like I remember peak Carlson never even had like amazing power play results. So it seems to me like it's like, the, obviously it is a skill it's very clearly. I don't want to imply that it's not, but like if the best offensive defenseman of a generation can struggle at it, it's still, it's gotta be clearly very systemic. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Into the top 10 here then. Uh, yep. who do you have a 10? I have a guy. I should probably actually flip him with Muzzin. I have Chris Letang. See, I left him off. I debated having him, you know, on my list. And I was wondering if you were going to have him or not. Uh, go ahead here with Chris Letang. Um, he battles injuries all the goddamn time. He's another one. Power play results are nuts on Sid and uh, Malkin's power play. So I have him lower than his like expected goals of our replacement over the past three years or whatever, but he's just quietly still got really, really good results in Pittsburgh. He's had 45 and 44 points in 55 and 61 games over the past two years. And I would have never expected that. And like 56 and 65, even three years ago, like he's just been a 50 point plus defenseman for the past four years. And it feels like he's hurt all the time and does not put up that production, which is still insanely impressive, really. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, he's not the play driver he used to be, but he's clearly one of the best offensive defensemen in the league. Um, he's, uh, he's seventh here and expected goals above replacement over the past three years among defensemen. It's higher than I would have guessed, especially because he's hurt like constantly, but I mean, he's still putting up good results. He has amazing priors. I think somewhere in this tier makes sense for him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, his his priors are very, very strong. He struggled uh, play driving wise in 2020, 2021. But, um, you know, again, like he played, ugh, excuse me, he played 55 games and, you know, that was considered a full season, right? So it's like, it's very possible that in a normal season over the last 30 or so, that, that at least evens out a little bit more. So um, I, I think that's fair. I left them off just, um, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure if it was more just the point of uh, the, the power play production. I, I think, um, you know, I, I think that helps him quite a bit in things like goals above replacement, but still a very, very strong defenseman nonetheless. Yeah, 100%. I'd probably move him below 
guy like Spurgeon doing this list again, but yeah, somewhere in here, I think makes sense. He's not quite the play driver of a lot of the guys above him, unfortunately, which holds him back, but he's still uh, yeah, for sure. Um, all right. My number 10, uh, I think this is a guy you're probably going to be a lot. Well, I don't know what a lot, but probably a couple spots higher than me, but I got Shea Theodore here at 10. I knew it was going to be Theodore when you said that. Yeah. I have him a little bit higher, but obviously on the list still. Yeah. Um, no, just right on. I, I knew he had to be kind of in that 10 range. Uh, um, I, he's a tough player because he, he's very, very good, obviously. Like saying he's the 10th best defenseman probably shouldn't be a slight to anyone. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's tough because I, his goals above replacement haven't been like insanely favorable on him, but I don't know how much that's his fault. Um, you know, when you look at his play driving skill, he drives offense like crazy. Uh, his goals four per 60 is through the roof, which I don't know if that's all him. I, I don't know if a defenseman is really going to be driving uh, their goals four per 60, three standard deviations. Um, but uh, like he, he's a very, very good offensive player. And I do think getting Petrangelo, who I'm going to have a spot or two ahead of him here, uh, I, I think you could really flip either one of them where it's like, if you want to say one's a little more valuable than the other, um, that's fine. But I think getting a guy like Petrangelo uh, helps Theodore a lot because he doesn't have to be that, defensively responsible guy anymore right like he can just feast off offensively and that's what he's good at exactly that's the perfect kind of role for him because he might be the best offensive play driver in the league among defensemen yeah like i think he's got to be up there maybe you can argue like a kale mccarr but yeah and like mccarr has more like offensive upside or whatever and like he's more gifted player but like Theodore's results are just absolutely like breathtaking almost over the past few years. I love Shea yeah, like Yeah. His play driving is absolutely insane. And I think, you know, how good he is offensively, it gets shown in um, expected goals above replacement where he sits over the past two seasons, he sits ninth among all defensemen, you know, actual goals above replacement is 25th and 43. Like he's been on a clear development path, which I think is also cool to see where it's like three years ago, he was, you know, he was that kind of, underrated guy i think you you kind of had you on your list at 20 is like a guy who could break out and then he did break out and then but he was like again not like a stud top 10 guy or anything and like now he's clearly in that top 10 top i think the lowest you should really have him is like 12 basically yeah 100 percent. he's very clearly a number one defenseman if nothing else and it's great too because we got to see him away from Petrangelo, where he still had those ridiculous play driving results, and now it's just continuing on with Petrangelo and Vegas. Yep, exactly. Um, so you had Muzzin at nine and Taves at eight. Uh, did you want to touch any more on any of those, either of those guys? Uh, no, I don't think so. This is way higher than I expected to be on Jake Muzzin, but yeah, I mean, just, like it's the statistics, like they're just so good, right? Like, yeah, and like he's. Um, he's like the kind of player that everyone can agree on too. Like no kind of hockey fan can watch a game and be like, I don't like Jake Muzzin. He's a hard guy to love because you don't notice him a lot in a good way, but like, he's just so gritty and everything too, but he's also like an analytical darling. Like every type of hockey fan can agree. This guy's just fantastic. Yeah, I think when you ask the average fan what they think Muzzin is, they would call him a two. But in an average hockey fan's mind, a two is really like the 20 be- 20th best defenseman, basically. Like a yep. one, 
is like the top 20 guys, basically. A stud number one is like the top five. And then a two is like 20 to 30. And then a three is like 30 to 50 or whatever, right? Yeah. Like so bad. I'd be like, oh, this guy's number three. It's like, well, if he's like the 50th best defenseman in the league, that's a very comfortable number two defense, which technically means top pairing defenseman, even though the kind of guys that would rank at number 50. Like, if they're on trade talks, they'd be like, oh, a top four defenseman. It would never be a top pair guy, even though that's technically what they are. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, like I, I was shocked that even just, like, when I first started this list, I didn't really have expect to have Muzzin on it, to be honest. Like, I thought he would be one of those guys where I have where I have Morgan Riley maybe just on the outside. And then, you know, I thought 17 was even maybe a little low now that I'm doing it again. But, like, in that range for sure, where it's like, I, I think he is comfortably a top 20 guy for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. I expected him. I was thinking like, oh, maybe I'll have him just twenty. Like, start off with a maybe or like fifteen, if I'm really high on him. But yeah, the more I looked into it, I was like, wow, he's been better than I realized. I watched a lot of Jake Muzzin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so uh, I think we talked enough about Taves, probably right? Like, uh, yeah, at, at eight here. Um, right. So I'll, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go with my uh, my number nine then because I had. Um, Actually, I got eight and nine, so I'll, I'll go with nine here. And this is where I had uh, Ryan Pulak of the New York Islanders. Yeah, I should have somewhere around here, but I completely forgot. Yeah, and so it, as I mentioned, it's really hard to separate him and Pelic, but you could take basically everything you just said about Pelic a couple minutes ago and put it right back in this uh, segment. Um, he yep. is not the most um, fun player to watch, but he is just godly defensively. Uh, over the past two years, he ranks fifth among all defensemen in goals above replacement. He ranks fourth in, over the past three years in goals above replacement for defensemen. Um, for expected goals above replacement, 47th, um, which I think just goes to show like how little he kind of produces offensively, and that's why he gets punished there. Um, but yeah, like he is just one of the best defensemen, period. Like over the past uh, two seasons, he ranks seventh among all defensemen uh, for even strength defense. Uh, which is, again, very impressive. Uh, Pellick is number one. Um, and then you got guys like Mackenzie Weger, uh, McAvoy, uh, David Savard. Like, I, like you have some guys who you would think of as just like actual defensive defensemen as well. And that's kind yeah. of just what uh, Pulak is, you know? Yeah, 100%. It looks like um, the regression models like Pulak's offense a little more than Pellick and defense a little less. Uh, which I guess can make sense. I don't watch enough Islanders. I don't hate myself to watch an <laughs> opinion there, but that sounds right to me. Yeah, exactly. Like from the what I watched in the in the playoffs, anyways. And, and you know, granted, that's a short enough sample, but that also sounds you know I think right right enough to me as well. So um, yeah, that's who I've been nine, and then at eight, I mentioned him before already, but I have Alex Petrangelo here. Um, very very good defenseman. I, again, if you want to sl- switch him and Theodore, I, I don't really care. I think. The two of them together is freaking awesome. And the fact that they're not even on the same pairing is even better. And I'm so happy that we've gotten to, to witness this. Um, I think Petrangelo has taken a clear step back from where I maybe would have had him last year, two years ago, three years ago kind of thing, where I think he was he in that top two last year. Yeah. Like, I, I think, you know, it was clear that he was that top five, nor like a, a Norris candidate lock for, you know, a couple of years. Um, I, I think he's taking a slight step back from that, but he's still on that outer edge of like guys who could definitely be within the conversation in any given year. And I would not be shocked. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I have him uh, seven and Theodore six. Uh, it's a little bit of a projection too, just favoring the guy who's five years younger, happen in one spot, but they're very clearly similarly effective players. Yep, absolutely. Um, so this is gonna be interesting because you, Some- if you. You have I have someone in my top six that you do not have on, have the list. on this list. I, I must have one pretty gross. I think it's going to be this person at six, okay. Ryan Ellis. Yeah, so I, I did leave Ellis off, and that was I thought about having him on, but uh, I did actually choose to have Ryan Ellis off. Interesting. So um, this is definitely our biggest disparity between players. Um, I'm still super high on Ryan Ellis. Uh, I, I think his age is a little bit concerned. And if you want to do some projection, you could bump him down this list a little bit. But over the past three years, he's ranked third among defensemen goals above replacement. Um, if you take that third year, that the third previous, you want a little bit more of a recent sample size. He's been fourth among all defensemen. And he ha- he's been hurt at times, too. He played 84 games over the past two seasons. Uh, that is 20 less than anyone else and 40 less than two of the people ahead of him. Um, you know, so like his, his goals above replacement per game is, you know, still some of the best in the league. Um, he, he slowed down a little bit, I think, at driving play, um, which, you know, maybe is a bit of a concern and just, definitely just his age too. Like he's getting up there in age. So, um, you know, maybe that maybe week 20, 20, 21 there um, is just who he is now. But uh, I'm still confident enough just with how good his goals above replacement have been over the past couple of years uh, that he's still a top 10 defensemen. And I think, you know, he only played 35 games in the, this past season. Uh, he was injured for 20 of them. And, you know, it was already a weird season. He only played 49 the year before. So uh, I, I think the one reason to be skeptical of him is definitely how often he's been injured. And, you know, that probably won't change as he gets into his thirties, but when he does play, he is still an amazing defenseman. Yeah. He's still very effective. It'll be interesting to see him in Philly. I punished him pretty heavily because if you saw like his war and then like his play driving numbers, you almost wouldn't believe them. Kind of, but like, that's just from it. Like his 2019, 20 play driving numbers were like unreal. So like his, his three, his three year samples, but then it definitely year, isn't as good as his war numbers. That's for sure. Yeah. Cause they were, they're kind of just middling last year. They were absurd two years ago. And then they were kind of, middling again in this last full season he's a really weird one for me because at his peak he is very clearly ridiculously good yeah because and then 17 18 he was absurd again and then 16 17 he wasn't any good and then 15 16 he was absurd so he basically goes like one elite year one very middling year yeah he's such a strange player yeah, so I think you know his peak is definitely still one of the better, better defensemen in the league, and I, it'll yeah. be really interesting to see what Philly gets over the next couple of years. Yeah, it will be. I was kind of thinking a little bit more like looking forward to when I left him off because it looks like he's getting injured, and it kind of seems like we've we're at the beginning of the end of like peak Ryan Ellis. Although- if he can, yeah, if he can't shake this injury, I could definitely see him just not being one of those guys like like honestly what Eric Carlson was this year where we don't even consider him probably in the top 30 or anything. Exactly. Cause like we both had him, I think we both had him in the top five last year when we did this. Um, I'd put him just outside. You have him seven. It's one of those things where I could see him just completely not even considering him. Never mind having him next year. Yeah, exactly. And like last year with Carlson, I, I want to say we both had him like 
around 20 because it was like, okay, he's had one down year, but like his aggregate numbers have still been very strong. Let's see what happens. And then he followed it up with another shit year. So or not shit, but like relatively speaking, of course. Relative to EK. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as I could see something similar, hopefully it doesn't for Ellis's sake, but yeah. All right. Into the top five. And I am very confident to say we probably have the same top five players in it, but I'm very curious to see the order. Uh, you go with five here and then I'll give you my five. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where I have the guy and then, you know, we'll go from there. Okay. So I don't know if I should have this guy higher, but I'll, I, my stop, top five started with Dougie Hamilton. There's a second match of the, of the list. I also have Dougie Hamilton. I, like five. I love Dougie. Yes, an absolutely unreal defenseman. Um, you know, obviously, like we've talked about him a lot because of free agency. I think Carolina's really, really going to miss him. Um, I, a, a bit of this, I think, is maybe a projection. Three of the guys I have a high, higher than him are younger, and I think two of them are younger by, like, a decent amount. So, um, you know, I think maybe it's, it's a tad proje- projection as well. But, um, yeah, I think for whatever reason, Hamilton – doesn't seem to give the get the love that he should absolutely deserve when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, you know, he, he's dealt with injuries at times throughout the past couple of years, and that's kept him, you know, away from like the top five for like goals above replacement. If you're looking at two years combined, but like even the two years he's at 11th. And again, he's played like 20 less games than some people on the list. Right. So. Exactly. And like expected goals above replacement is really high on him because Dougie Hamilton has the most Carolina problem in the world that he's been an amazing XG driver, but the puck hasn't gone in and still gone in the net a ton because he's so ridiculously good, but relative to his XG numbers, his actual goals have dragged pretty far behind and that's kind of held him back. But I, it's tough to say how much of that is his fault. He does take a lot of low percentage shots. I, he shoots a lot. So it's like part of it is almost certainly real but there's no way like that big of a gap that a defenseman can be responsible for that much on a shooting percentage bad luck. Yeah, exactly. He's also, yeah, he's just a play driving God. Like I, I and like Carolina is a great play driving team. So I don't think it's all him either, obviously, but like, yeah. it's just, yeah, the, the, the amount that he drives offensively. I mean, he's not, he's not like a God defensively or anything, but he's very good defensively for how elite he is offensively. Where, yeah, I think he's a slam dunk top five. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I thought this top five was a very clear tier of its own to me. Yeah, I, I 100% did too. I had um, Theodore and Petrangelo are guys I'm very comfortable, our number one defenseman. I think they could easily win Norris's next year, but the top five was like, a, and because Peter Angelo and uh, Theodore are kind of their own thing there. And then this top five was a group of guys that, like, I think yeah. everybody not a similar top five different order probably, but there's five guys. I'm pretty confident you should have at the top. Yeah. Like I, I made my list and I knew that these were going to be five guys out of the top. And then it really started where I decided six and, you know, so, um, yeah. all right, I'll go my number four. Um, I, I could hear an argument for him at five too, just because I'm really curious to see if he can follow what he did this past year up, but it's Adam Fox. Yeah, that's fair. I have Fox three, a little bit of a projection because I know who that means I have him over relative to you, but this makes sense for Fox. Yeah. I, I like, I love Adam Fox. Uh, obviously, you know, I, he won the Norris this year, right? Um, uh, you know, I, I literally don't care about the voters award so many times because I don't think half the people know what they're talking about anyways, but um, yeah, like he, he's just 
unreal. Um, he, he was one of the best, if not like I think we both had him first or second on our Norris ballots this year when we were doing our awards. Um, and, and I think that's rightfully so. Like when you look at goals above replacement for the past two years, he's sixth among defensemen. And um, again, even like last year, it was just, he was really good two years ago. Uh, and, and then um, obviously last year he took the jump to like legit number one guy. Um, and it'll be really impressive. Or, or it'll be really interesting to see if he can, carry that over for a third year. Like he's over a three year time, he's 19th in goals above replacement among defensemen. And he didn't even freaking play for one of those years. Yeah. Which is absolutely ridiculous. It's kind of funny. Cause we had talked about this when we did the list last year, but just using draft position as a prior, I had said that I figured of the Fox, uh, McCarr and Quinn Hughes group, that Fox was the most likely to take a step back, but it was actually Quinn Hughes. Like, I didn't even think about Quinn Hughes for this list. Did you? No, me either. I, I think he's, uh, you know, he struggled this year. And, and it's tough because it's hard to know with Vancouver, you know, they, they got destroyed by COVID and also like a, not a great team. Like, it's not like that blue line is very good either. But yeah, like I would have Q, I, I wouldn't even have Hughes in my top 30 or anything like that. Like, I think, He's got to take another – he's got to play like he did in his rookie season for me to even consider him close to the top 30 right now. Yeah, because Quinn Hughes was low-key, like, bad this year. Yeah, and, like, not to say I – don't, like, I don't think he's a bad player or anything, but, yeah, like, I, I think it's more than fair to say if we're, you know, looking at what we know of him so far, he's probably closer to, like, a number three defenseman than he is a number one. Yeah, exactly. I really hope he doesn't get like Dalland or he just has that promising little rookie year and then it kind of never comes together after that. Or Dalland can still obviously turn around, but it looks less and less likely every every year, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so I'm going to guess you have uh, Charlie McAvoy at four? No, so I have Ooh. Charlie McAvoy. I won't say it yet because it's higher than four. I'm going to assume it. Okay, that's interesting. Um, who do you have a four then? Uh, Victor Hedman. Okay, so I, I'll fully admit I have Victor Hedman one. Um, I don't feel super passionate about this. Uh, obviously, uh, it's not a secret that I think both you and I were down on Victor Hedman this past year. Um, I think it was painfully obvious that he was playing injured, though, and I am yep. willing to give him a pass for that. Whether I should or not, that's different, but I am willing to give him a pass. It's kind of funny that uh, I had Kucherov one and not you, and you had Hedman one and not me, because the thought process to having either of those two one is the exact same. It basically is, yeah. Um, and, you know, like with Hedman, he still played, you know, he played through injury, and I think that that definitely hurt his results. And it's funny, too, because, like, we say he had a bad year or whatever. He was still, like, I think the 19th best defenseman among goals above replacement for the regular season. Like, on a normal year, that would be very good for anyone else, but it's just Victor Hedman is so unreal compared to like just what we're used to that. Um, yeah. I, I think he's just, I, I think he'll take some time to get healthy. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's just competing for the Norris rightfully again next year. A hundred percent. He's still like, I would hate to bet against Victor Hedman going into next year when he comes in healthy. Yeah. And like, again, I, I think in this top five, like I think the, for me, one, two, and three, and even four, like, I think if you're projecting Fox to stay where he was last year, you can have any of these guys that won. And even if someone wants to say Hamilton was one, I think Hamilton's maybe a step behind the other four, but like, it's not enough for me to really, like, I think you can make an argument for any of them. 
Oh yeah, you could justify any of these five guys at one pretty easily, to be honest. A couple of them, it would rely a little more on age than others. And that was one of the reasons with Fox, I uh, I gave him the edge over Hedman because it, it, I felt kind of like weird punishing Hedman when he was just clearly playing hurt. But Fox is so young too, and he won the Norris, so I just gave him a slight edge. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Like, uh, yeah, Hedman's just done it over so many years now too, where it's like, yeah, even with this like down year, he's first among defensemen for goals above replacement over the last three, third uh, in over the last two. Um, you know, so he's just, he's obviously, and he's 15th for expected goals above replacement too. So it's not like it's just all coming from defense or anything like that. So um, yeah, and the back-to-back cups, I think, obviously it's not like the primary thing that I look at at all. Um, but, you know, it has a little bit of an effect that, you know, it helps that he was still the workhorse on two back-to-back cup winners. But Yeah, exactly. He still very clearly could be, like, he could be one when we're doing this next year with both of us, like, comfortably, because he's just done it for so long. I expect him to do it again. Yep, for sure. Um, okay, who did you have at, uh, actually, I'll, I'll go I'll go three and we'll see if you have him at two or one, I guess, then. Uh, I have McAvoy at three. Okay, so I have McAvoy one. Interesting. I, I mean, yeah, like again, I said I, I wouldn't really uh, hate any of them there. Um, I, I think the one thing I love about McAvoy is that, like, compared to like even really everyone, I mean, maybe maybe you could argue Fox doesn't have a great blue line or team, but you know, Fox has Panarin as well, and McAvoy gets that top line in Boston, obviously. But like the rest of that blue line this year in Boston was freaking trash. Yeah, and McAvoy's results are absolutely fucking insane in spite of that it is crazy like he i think mcavoy definitely could be one of the most underrated players in the league because like i don't think mo the casual fan would have him top three do you no absolutely not i don't think if we pulled like our friends they'd even put him top 10 yeah like i i think you would probably like if we told people we had mcavoy comfortably in top 10 we would get a bunch of looks and then if we said we had him first and third we would definitely get a ton of looks but yeah, oh, 100%. But especially watching him do it this year, cycling through dog shit partners, and he still had some, like, Shea Theodore is probably the best, or Dougie Hamilton are probably the best offensive play drivers among defensemen, but on, like, aggregate, including defensively, at least at five on five, I'm pretty confident that Charlie McAvoy is the best play driver in the entire league. Yeah, and, like, it is tough to, like, try and separate that from, like, how many of his minutes he plays with the top line or whatever too. But um, he is definitely a part of why that Boston team has remained. Um, You know, uh, I would even say, you know, like a, not a cup favorite, but definitely a cup consideration. Right. Um, Because that blue line again, behind him, I like Mike Riley, but Mike Riley is a three, maybe, maybe a low end two kind of thing where he's like in that 60 range, you know, 50 to 60 kind of. Um, It's like Gardner is there too. Yeah, like, it's just, other than that, there's like, I don't know, like, I, I think people overrate uh, Carlo. A hundred percent. Carlo's results are aggressively mediocre. Yeah, so like, um, um, yeah, so I, I love McAvoy. He's uh, second, you know, uh, in a goals above replacement among defensemen over the past two years. Um, he is, I want to say, second over the past three years as well. Funny enough, it's a different person he's behind for each of those. Um, but then he is also uh, seventh in expected goals above replacement as well. So, you know, he's just top of the list for everything there. Yeah, which makes sense. And the the one draw on him, 
relative to uh, Makar, who we're both going to have two then. And Hedman, he offers nothing on the power play. Yeah. That's yes. his like setback. And I think that's why the average fan doesn't think of him as highly because he doesn't put up that many points. Yeah, for sure. I was saying he's never like up on the leaderboard or anything like that for uh, guys who are just absolutely raking up the points. Because even this year, like, again, he was phenomenal this year uh, and he was 25th in points. So, yeah, exactly. Whereas, because, yeah, it's tough, 25th in points. But if we were betting on like the, the best aggregate RAPM expected goal differential, like he'd be the betting favorite probably for defensemen. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. And then, yeah, Kel McCarr, number two. Uh, honestly, I think if I was projecting with, if I factored age a little more in the Hedman thing, I would still, have, I would have McCarr one. Uh, I, my God, this is, he's just so insane. I think there is a very, very good chance we do this list next year and we both have Kale McCarr comfortably as number one. Probably. Yeah. He clearly has the most offensive upside of any defenseman in forever. Like, yeah, he's the guy who could like reach those Carlson levels of ridiculous. Yeah. So he's been, you know, point per game this year, 44 and 44. Um, he, again, like this is just the most mind blowing stats to me over the past three years, he ranks eighth among goals above replacement for defensemen. He didn't play one of those years and he missed 16 games last year. Yeah. Or oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. It, it's even crazier than that. He missed um, twelve games last year, but he only played fifty-seven of four, so he missed about fifteen to twenty the year before as well. So, like when you're looking at this, he played one hundred and one games. John Carlson, who is one goal above replacement, better than him, played two hundred and one games, a hundred games more, and he was one goal. Like, like it's just insane, right? Like. Um, you know, you look at over the past two years, he's led all defensemen and goals above replacement. That shouldn't shock anyone. He still played 20 games less than McAvoy and Hedman, who are two and three on that list. And then um, for expected goals above replacement, he's sixth among all defensemen over the past two years. So, uh, yeah, like Kale McCarr is freaking phenomenal. And if he has another season like his first two, which, again, is never guaranteed, especially when his first two are that good. But he definitely has the chance to become like, Victor Hedman two point like it feels like Victor Hedman's been like since Carlson died down over the past couple of years just the guaranteed like or uh, consensus number one at least from like public media standpoint I feel like Kale McCarr yeah. has a legitimate chance to do that over like the next four or five years just because you know uh, there's going to be like an Adam Fox or someone that'll challenge him every year and McAvoy I think will be up there but like Kale McCarr has the underlying stats and the counting stats where I think everyone's just going to love him. Yeah, 100%. And if Kale McCarr ever has, like, one year where – because his defensive results are good but not, like, elite. Like, if he has, like, elite defensive results even once, it will probably be the kind of season where when you're looking at a decade, like a 10-year period, you're probably like, hey, this might have been the best season by a defenseman in 10 years. Yeah, 100%. Um, Yeah. All right. I I was saying – he's unreal i mean so are so many people on that list obviously uh so um i think that's it i think we're good if uh unless you got anything more on anyone uh no i don't think so makes sense yeah i think so as well um obviously i think big names that we left off uh, seth jones i don't think that should be really surprised anyone who listens to our podcast regularly yeah Um, i was just gonna say you and consider seth jones no i didn't at all um I don't think he's the number one. I don't think he's as bad. Like I've said it before. I don't think he's as quite as bad as the stats suggest, but 
Um, I, I just don't think he's a guy who can drive his own pair top pair effectively. Um, and, you know, I, I think if he was asked to play in a bit lower of a role, I think we would see better results where like, maybe he's the number three defenseman, but again, that means he's what, like the 70th best defenseman in the league. So. Exactly. Cause everybody blames it on like, Oh, the context in Columbus, but you see the guys who are legitimately as good as people think Seth Jones is like, Charlie McAvoy cycling through partners all year and all the numbers we look at still love Charlie McAvoy. Yep. 100%. Like former partners constantly. Like he's just clearly not, uh, not quite there. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe the only other big name was like Darnell nurse kind of that, you know, I considered him, but it was pretty clear once I started putting some stats together that he was not going to make the cut. Yeah. I thought about it too. Cause he was legitimately good last year, but. If he does it again, maybe. He would definitely be on that edge, I think. If he, if he has a year like he did last year, I think he would at least have to be close to 20. But, yeah, yeah. like I didn't even really have – I think he's like probably in like the 35-ish range kind of. Yeah, something like that. Basically, I think of him as Morgan Riley with less of a sample size. Yes, yeah, I think that's fair. So, um, yeah, as always, let us know what we got right, what we got wrong. Um, who we missed or anything like that. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. We will be back next week with the goalies top 20, uh, which we are actually about to record in about a minute from now. So um, that should be fun. Um, you know, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at NHL Sons and stuff. Chase on Twitter at CM Hockey 66. You can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. And we'll see you all next week.